Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who reminds us of our salvation, who fills our minds with life and with peace, and who fills us with hope, with our hope of eternal life, so we can share that message through our words and actions with the whole world. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Let me ask you a question to start off this morning. Have you ever made plans and thought things would turn out a certain way? And it turned out a completely different way, an unexpected way, and maybe not such a good way, a way that you had not expected. I think if any of us are honest, we've all had times where we planned, maybe overly planned for something, and it just wasn't what we thought it would be. Years ago, I had a good friend from high school who got married, and I was living in Virginia in the mountains, and it had been a long winter, and it was a spring wedding in San Diego, and it was one of those uh, deals where I was telling all my friends, I'm going to San Diego for a wedding, you know, just kind of like bragging about it, you know, what are you doing? You're hanging out in Virginia, and I was really excited because we were going deep sea fishing, and I was telling my friends that too, oh yeah, I'm going deep sea fishing, Baja, Mexico for the bachelor party before. It's going to be awesome. I think they were getting tired of me telling the story, right? So I'm all excited about the trip. I fly to San Diego. Everything's going great. We get on this boat, and we're going to go. It's an overnight trip. But my buddy, you know, didn't have much money, so he skimped, and we got, like, the smallest boat. And when we went out to the water, you know, about, I don't know how long. It took us, like, four or five hours to get out where we were going in Baja, Mexico. And right before dusk, the horizon was going like this. And I had taken Dramamine, had the patch, the whole deal, and, I wasn't feeling so good, and I was like, you know, I'll be fine. Woke up the next morning, and I started feeling really bad. I was turning white. Horizon again is like this, and the captain goes, you know, there's fish out there. Grab your rod. I didn't grab the rod. I leaned off the side and started feeding the fish, (laughs) and this didn't stop. I mean, I was throwing up so much, I think I was even impressing the captain, who at first looked very bored about this. And then I just laid there in the hall, along with one of my other buddies who had the same problem. And I did not feel better until that night when we got back. And we finally got off the boat, and I, like, kissed the dock. I was so excited. (laughs) So my plans had gone awry. I was all excited about all the fish we were going to catch. And we did catch fish. I just didn't catch any of them. I just was hoping to chum to catch the fish. So anyway, it was not what I thought it was going to be. I have one other other story I want to tell you. During our announcements day, we're going to pray for the high school kids who are here that are coming on our mission trip. And years ago, when I was first in youth ministry, I had planned with two other youth ministers this great mission trip. And we we were in Richmond, Virginia at the time. And we were actually going to Bluffton, South Carolina, which 20 years ago was the middle of nowhere, right? I mean, I think they had maybe a Lowe's or Home Depot, and that was pretty much it. And so we went there, and we were all excited about the trip. We get off the bus. We're staying at Church of the Cross in Bluffton. And the uh, senior warden at the time was Tommy Hayward. Some of you all remember him. You know, he's a, he's a great guy, and he had gotten outdoor showers for us. Everything was planned perfectly, except the organization we were working with. Someone had embezzled funds, and they had no work for us to do. So there I was with 60 teenagers with nothing to do for a week except hang out in Bluffton, maybe go to Home Depot. I don't really know what we were going to do. So we prayed about it. We started knocking on church's doors, and pretty soon we found our own projects. We painted a church on Simmonsville Road that I don't think anybody had gone to in 50 years, but 
we painted this little kind of like small church and we found things to do all through the town. We had a girl who jumped off the dock over there by Church of the Cross in Bluffton, cut herself on barnacles. I was in the hospital. I brought one leader who was really young and he wasn't a leader. He was like flirting with the girls I brought. He was uh, smoking cigarettes behind the building. It was one of those trips when everything was not as planned, right? So I... Uh, Super stressed, but, you know, we ended up having a fantastic week in spite of all that. You know, we prayed about it. We found other things to do. And some of the kids we brought on that trip will say to this day, even though it wasn't as planned, they had the best time of their lives. I think all of us have experienced this when we've made plans and the unexpected happens. And sometimes it's not so good. Maybe with our children, we tried to socially engineer them so there'll be these, like, you know, Outstanding adults, we start off with play dates when they're younger, you know, make sure they hang out with the right kind of kids, make sure they take the right kind of classes, they study hard so they'll get in the right kind of college, so someday they won't be sleeping on your couch when they're 40 years old, right? You're just trying to get them from point A to point B in life, and sometimes it doesn't go as planned. We start to realize that we can't control everything. Maybe it's with our finances, We're saving up. We're doing everything great. And then something like Hurricane Matthew comes, and all of a sudden we're in financial trouble. A divorce happens, and we slowly realize that we cannot control everything in life. We can plan, overplan, prepare, and try to find security. But more often than not, life happens, and it leaves us empty, scrambling, and oftentimes alone. There was a a famous poem by Robert Burns, who was a farmer back in the 1700s, and poetry was a popular thing to do back then. And he was riding with his plow, and he overturned a mouse nest, and he saw that these these mice were in trouble, right? So he wrote a poem with a very famous line on it. It says, the best laid schemes of mice and men go off in a skew. A skew. I don't know if I said that word quite right. But anyway, John, John Steinbeck, years later, had a title of mice and men. And the two main characters in that big book, George and Lenny, some of you read it in high school, some of you may have read it at later, or some of you maybe saw it in Bugs Bunny when Lenny was like the abominable snowman who was trying to squeeze and kill the rabbit. But uh, anyway, in this famous story, there's two themes that happen in the story. One of dreams and shattered dreams, these hopes these guys had as they were working on a ranch during the Great Depression. George dreamed of a better life where he could have his own land. And Lenny, who was mentally challenged, just loved his friendship with George and just wanted to be with them. Well, their plans went awry. Lenny accidentally killed the ranch, uh, the guy who owned the ranch's wife because he didn't know his own strength. Lenny ends up dying. George's plans are ruined. And this whole theme of shattered dreams and loneliness kind of permeates this whole novel. We see this not only in literature, we see this theme on television. If anybody's watched the show The Bachelor, in 20 seasons, 12 men have popped the question on air to, you know, to get get engaged on air. That's pretty good. That's 60% of the couples were at end in an engagement, right? The only problem is only two of them are still together, and only one of them is actually married. Our plans often go awry. Well, this morning I have very good news. In spite of life being often filled with chaos and our plans not always working out, we have a God who loves us and knows us, who is in control. And because of what Christ has done on the cross, we are invited into his family. 
In this family, we have constant communication and companionship through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we don't need to live lives, as Henry David Thoreau said, of quiet desperation, trying to figure out life on our own when our plans go awry. So this morning, we're going to look at the reading from Romans that uh, Ron read. We're going to add a few verses at the end because it's a great passage. And this passage reminds us of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, how it can not only impact us, but this reality, the reality that comes from the Holy Spirit filling our lives, can change us so that we know that we're not alone. We can have peace when life gets challenging because it will for all of us. We're going to take a look at that this morning. And I want to bring about three realities that this Holy Spirit brings, three positive realities. The first one that we learn from Romans 8.1, and Greg talked about this last week, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the good news is um, that when we give our lives to Christ, there's no condemnation. We're invited into the family. Romans chapter 5, which is actually a... uh, Um, A smaller version of Romans chapter 8 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. Peace, freedom. This is what happens when we give our lives to Christ. A good analogy to think of is, Christ is like the, uh, the groom who says, I do, to each and every one of you. And he's asking each of us to give our lives to him, to say, I do, back. And when we do this, we'll find that we're not living lives of isolation or insulation. We're trying to protect ourselves from the world. But instead, we find ourselves invited into a family, into a community. We're adopted into the family, as the Apostle Paul likes to say. And there we become fully alive, and we find peace in our lives. There's a great analogy that talks about what it means to come to salvation. And it was set back in the the slave days in the United States. And it was about a rich miner who had struck it rich. And he hated slavery. And he happened to be walking by an auction. And he saw this slave girl who was about to be auctioned off. The slave girl looked angry, distressed, and upset. So he bought the slave girl for an amount that exceeded the worth of any slave at that time. The girl, not understanding, walked toward the miner and spit in his face, saying, I hate you. The miner then went into the courthouse and spent another incredible sum of money for a piece of paper. Again, the young girl said, I hate you. The miner looked at at the girl and said, here are your manumission papers. You are free, he said. The girl looked at the papers and said, you just bought me and now you're setting me free? The miner said, I bought you to set you free. Clutching his muddy boots, the girl looked up at the miner and said, All I want to do is serve you because you bought me to set me free. That's what Christ has done to each and every one of you. So you don't have to live life on your own. You don't have to live life uh, trying to navigate through all the ups and downs. That you can have hope, just like the slave girl found hope. You were bought with a price, but you were bought for freedom. So what does the Holy Spirit do with this as we say our I do's? The Holy Spirit reminds us over and over again that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Theologian Earl Palmer says the human spirit is dormant or dead until it is aroused to life by the Spirit of God. See, the Holy Spirit is the bond by which Christ binds himself, not in general, but in a very personal way, 
to each and every one of you, where you are assured of your adoption into the family. If Ron would have kept reading in that passage in Romans, the Apostle Paul says this, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children, that we're members of the family. So the first thing the Holy Spirit does, he reminds us of of our bond. He reminds us of the assurance of our salvation. There's a famous hymn that says, Blessed Assurance is the title. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we belong, reminds us of who we are. The second thing the Holy Spirit does in our lives is it beca- the Holy Spirit becomes a constant presence in our lives. It's not just you're a member of the family, now try to live life on your own to please God. No, God's Holy Spirit is a constant companion to us, that we can know his constant presence in our lives. And he governs our minds with, uh, and brings us life and peace. You've heard the whole thing that there's a battle for our children's minds. Well, God understands us with each and every one of you. There's a battle for your minds. So oftentimes in our world, there's negativity. There's killing. There's murder. There's lots of negative things. Just read the paper. Watch the news. Go online. You can see a lot of horrible things. And yet God is constantly putting in our minds through the power of the Holy Spirit these thoughts of life and peace, even when life gets challenging. In Romans 8, uh, verses 6, it says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Theologian Eugene Peterson, when describing this verse, writes, Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God, listen to this, leads us out into the open, into a spacious and a free life. Life, peace, this freedom. This is what God wants to do for each and every one of you. It's not just your salvation. It's filling your minds with hope, with life and peace, even when life gets challenging. There's a great verse that Apostle Paul said as well in uh, Romans chapter 5. He writes this about our struggles and sufferings we have. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance, character and character hope. In other words, we have hope even when life gets rough. Because we have this constant presence of God in our lives speaking to us and telling us there's life out there. There's peace, even though things seem chaotic right now. The third reality that the Holy Spirit brings to our life is the hope of eternal life. And this hope of eternal life is more than just, hey, I know where I'm going when I'm dying, but also leads us to lives of action, not stagnation. We have direction. We want to share this hope that we found in Christ with others through our words and through our actions. Let's look again at Paul's words. He says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. If Jesus was risen from the dead, you too have the hope of salvation. You don't need to live dead lives where you walk around with a zombie-like existence. Peterson, who I talked about earlier, wrote this when describing this verse. He said, the resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. He goes on to say it's a life of action. Because we know who we are as children of God, we can't help but to get moving, to do things with our life. There's two analogies I want you to think of with your Christian life. 
And the first is a rubber band. When a rubber band is sitting there, it's just a rubber band, right? It really doesn't do much. But when it's put in someone's hands, it can be stretched. It can be used for all kinds of things. Same with this glove right here. A glove on its own doesn't really serve much purpose until you put a hand in it. Then you can pick things up, can keep you warm. It becomes useful. Our lives, apart from God, are like this glove that's just sitting there or this rubber band that's not being used the way it was meant to be used. God is your author of your life. He knows everything about you. He has a plan for your life. Don't live lives where you're just sitting around, not doing anything. God has called us to action. Paul writes, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit has been given to us. This love brings us to action. It makes us want to share this with people in the world, to be useful, to do things for God's kingdom, much like these group of high school kids are going to get to do here in a couple weeks. Paul Harvey years ago told a story about a, a guy that many people had talked about. His name was Larry Walters. And this guy lived out west in California. And one day he was bored, but he'd been playing this for quite a while. He got 47 helium weather balloons, attached them to a lawn chair he had bought at Sears and because uh, he wanted to fly. Well, he also bought a BB gun and a six-pack of beer so he'd have something to do while he was floating up in the sky. He went up a lot faster than he thought. Pretty soon he got into federal airspace and he got in a lot of trouble. But his plan actually worked as he shot the balloons. They slowly started, he had a successful landing, but the police and the federal agents were waiting for him when he landed. Got arrested, had to pay a big fine. But what a story, huh? A reporter asked him, why did you do it, Larry? And Larry said this, man just wasn't made to sit around. He had a point, right? Uh, don't go try that at home, okay? But we weren't made just to sit there. We have an incredible message and incredible hope for those, who us, those of us who believe in Christ. We weren't made just to sit around. So there's three realities that I've talked about. The first reality is the Holy Spirit reminds us of our salvation, it's like a father reminding his child over and over again, you're part of this family. We love you. You belong. That's the first reality. The second reality is the Holy Spirit not only reminds us of that, but he fills our minds with his presence. He fills us with peace and life. He doesn't leave us with just that by, by changing our minds and help us to know that we can have peace even when life gets tough. He wants us to share this hope of eternal life with everyone we meet, reminding us over and over again that eternal life is real, that we can have courage and faith in this world even when things get tough. So the question for all of you this morning is, what are you going to do with this message? How can you apply it to your life? Well, first of all, I want you to know this message is very personal. God is talking to every single one of you in this room. He loves you. On his end, he says, I do. Secondly, uh, this presence of the Holy Spirit speaking to our minds and bringing us life and peace is a reality that all of us can experience. And he wants everyone here to live lives of action where we can have this hope of the resurrection. So here's a few steps that we can do daily to make this a reality in our own lives. First, if you've never said it before, say I do to God. Or renew your vows if you've done it before every day. Say, God, I belong to you. I'm part of your family. Thank you for what you did for me on the cross. 
can also meditate on Scripture because Scripture puts those good words in your head. It brings us words of life and peace. And then finally, we can live lives of action where we are prepared to share with people the hope we have in Christ, the hope of eternal life, and we can put it into action. As I mentioned earlier, in two weeks we have a mission trip. We're bringing 20 high school kids and four adults to Honduras. And uh, this uh, mission trip, and for all of us who've ever been on one, is a microcosm. That means like a small version of what our lives should be like all the time. See, in this trip, we've been having a lot of people praying for us. We've been preparing a lot. But now we're getting ready for action, to put our plans in place. That should be our daily lives of praying, of planning, preparation, and then putting our faith in action as we go about our daily life. As a church, how can we live this out? When we're invited into this relationship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we become a community, a holy community. And like the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we need to do that with each other. We need to remind each other over and over again about the assurance of our salvation. We need to remind people, as the Holy Spirit does, of the life and peace that is found in God's Word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be a community that lives 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 of action. We spur one another on towards love and good deeds, as the Proverbs tell us. James writes that religion that our God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted in the world. This is religion that notices others, that brings life and peace and hope to others, that brings the message of Christ's salvation to other people. Have you recognized yet that you can't control your lives? If you've lived a lot lot of life, I'm sure you have. Because of what Christ has done on the cross and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we can navigate our, our way through life, through all the ups and downs and the chaos. Because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who brings us life and peace and hope. And he gives us a job to do, not to sit around, but to put our faith into action. Let's put this into action this week. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for the constancy that you bring us in our lives, for the hope and peace and life that you bring to us. For those who have not said, I do, I pray that today they would say, I do. And for all of us who are believers Help us to renew our vows every day, to ask you to come into our lives so that we're not distracted from the world. Lord, help us to put our faith into action this week. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.